Amen. Well, I am delighted to know that Jason and Lori get a little bit of a break. Leading through COVID has been a challenge in the church. And uh, they've done an exemplary job in making sure that we're all safe, that we're all protected, and that whatever needs to happen in the house of the Lord has happened. And so for them to get away and uh, have someone open their cottage for them to spend a couple of days away is really, really wonderful. You just sat down. I'm going to ask you to stand up. <clears throat> because you know, every time Pastor Jason lets me out of the cage and gives me an opportunity to share, I take my Bible and uh, I want to show you something before we get started. Because you're going to understand this in just a minute. My Bible represents my life now because it's 40 plus years that I've been walking with Jesus. And when I first came to Christ, 1 Corinthians 13 says, let me show you a better way. That became the focus. And so when you hear me preach this morning, I want you to know this is what's within. That love never fails. He never fails us. He never fails our situations. He works in us, and he asks us to trust him, even in times we don't understand. We learn to trust him because he's working all things out for our good. And so when I take my Bible in my hand every time I'm going to preach, I always look at it, and I'm reminded without him I'm nothing, that I'm an imperfect man serving a perfect God. And that by looking into his word, then I can say, Lord, I am what you say I am. I have what you say I have. And I can do what you say I can do. And I'm ready today, not just yesterday, but I'm ready today to receive into my heart the ever-living, everlasting, the incorruptible seed called the word of God. And then I pray, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart about this issue of building your house. Speak to my heart about this issue of going from found to following. Speak to my heart about my position now in you. And as you speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, do a work in me today, conforming me to the image of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our focus today in the series on Build Your House is another aspect of our position. So we're going to go from found, what it means to be found, to following. And Pastor Rhonda did an exemplary job last week helping us understand the biblical truth of God's love for us and how much he cares for us and then who we are in him. And I couldn't help but think of the word justification, which is God revealing his love by forgiving us in Christ and stamping paid in full over our account. Our personal debt of sin has been paid in full by Christ. That's what justification is. It's a biblical term that talks about our legal standing before God. Why do we have to understand our legal standing before God? Because facts don't care about your feelings. And you'll get to understand that as we go through today, that when you know your position in Christ, 
then you have the facts that are able to keep you established in God throughout your journey. Justification was done once and for all at the cross when Jesus said it's finished. It's entirely God at work on our behalf. It is perfected in this life through what Christ has done. It's the same for everyone because there's level ground at the cross. And that no matter the depth of sin, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you. And if you say in your mind and in your heart, oh, but I've sinned too much, then you don't know the love of God yet. You don't know the wonderful work of the blood of Christ to forgive and to cleanse. Colossians 2 says it this way, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Remember, facts don't care about your feelings. With its legal demands, you are in a position where you need something. And when Jesus went to the cross, they nailed to the cross all of the things that he was being crucified for. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He took your sin and my sin, nailed it to the cross, and set it aside and put over your life and my life paid in full. When you read through the scriptures, particularly if you get into the book of Corinthians, and you realize the gospel message started spreading out from Jerusalem to the other parts of the world. It went from a Jewish-centered context now to a Gentile-centered context. One group of people who understood the whole of the Old Testament and another group of people who knew nothing about the Old Testament. And... As he goes into Roman culture, the Apostle Paul, he begins to see a lifestyle that people would push back and say, well, God can't forgive me. But he says to them, don't be deceived. Don't believe all the things you're hearing. Listen to the truth of the gospel and understand that if you're immoral, if you practice all kinds of things, if you're a thief, if you're greedy, if you're a drunkard, a reviler, a swindler, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And they're all looking at him going, well, that's who we are. And that was the church. And then he said these words, but you were washed, you were just sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So he's saying to them, it's not what you were in the past, it's what you are now because the blood of Christ has cleansed you from all sin. God has justified you. He has sanctified you. He has now given you a new position in life. You may look the same, but you are not the same. You've been changed from the inside out. Later on in, in Galatia, he talks to the brethren there and he says to them, um, if I still preach Jewish circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? I'm being persecuted because of the offense of the cross. And if you take the cross out of Christianity, you have a Christless Christianity. You have no power because the gospel is centered in the cross. It is the power of God to salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. God's plan is global in its scope and eternal in its provision. And you and I are coming to understand that as we read our word and as we study him. Pastor Jason began the series talking about why we need to be saved or redeemed in the first place. Sometimes we ask the question, what am I being saved from? What is this thing, thing called sin? 
Well, he showed us that God issued a command to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he said to them, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Under the penalty of death, they had no idea what death was, so they had to trust God. There are many things where we trust God when we don't fully understand. But he's the one leading and guiding, and that's what's demonstrating our life of faith, where we trust him as we go through the situations of our day-to-day -day life. His command was clear. The soul that sins shall die. Adam and Eve heard it. Facts don't care about their feelings. They go ahead and partake of the tree. And God now, because he cannot lie and because he's just, must impose the penalty of death upon them. And he puts them out of the Garden of Eden. And he blocks the way for them to come back into the Garden of Eden until the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world would come into history and for 300 promises in the Word of God to the fulfillment of Jesus at the cross of Calvary, all of those issues would be fulfilled step by step, revelation by revelation, progress by progress, until that lamb was slain and Adam and Eve would have access back into the presence of God. But all through the Old Testament, people believed in faith alone. They took God at his word to the light that they had in their generation and said, God, we trust you. We believe in you. We know the story's not finished yet, but we have confidence in you. And we're at that place where we believe that what happened at the cross in Jesus Christ was for our good and for our eternal relationship with God. And we trust him even though we don't fully see the end of the story yet. We're doing the same thing as they have done in every generation by trusting God, by exercising faith, by having confidence that what he said is absolutely true. And so Adam and Eve are pushed out of the garden, and they recognize they can't pay for their own sin because if they die, they will die in their sin, and they will die with the penalty of sin over their lives. So they're at God's mercy. Now do you see why it's by grace, through faith? alone. Scripture teaches us that Adam's disobedient corrupted humanity from that moment on revealing all of us living in sin under the penalty of death and that we need a savior because the wage for sin is death. And you and I see death all over the world today. It has affected every single human being. And Jesus, who is God's word in the flesh, our redeemer, comes into the world as a sinless man. This is God, the Word made flesh, dwelling amongst us, the only one who is sinless, who can pay the penalty for death, and he pays it on the cross. He's laid in the tomb, but on the third day. Aren't you glad that when we say it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, that on the third day he rose from the dead, and when he did... He demonstrated that if we put our faith in God through the work of Christ on the cross, we too, when we die, our debt is paid and we will rise again. That's the confidence that we have. And the facts that you've just heard don't care about your feelings. It's the truth and the truth is what sets us free. 
In the same way when a doctor tells you a condition you have in your body and this is what he has to do, you might cry and he doesn't care about your feelings. He knows what he has to do to get you back to a place of health. And God knows what he has to do to get you and I back to a place of spiritual health. And so when you understand this, you stand back and say, Lord, I can affirm with great confidence that it's God's work by, of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. That separates all of this from human intervention and human admiration. It's us understanding God we want to say thank you for your grace. You didn't have to do it, but you did it. We want to thank you, Lord, that we can put our faith in you even we don't fully understand it, that it is through Christ alone. He's the only sinless one. And, God, it's to your honor and to your glory because you're creating a forever family. And so this idea of being found and then following means that your life begins a journey with him. And it won't end until you step into glory. So today I want to talk a little bit about another biblical word called sanctification. You and I have to agree that we cannot bring change if we are not changed ourselves. We reproduce what we are in the lives of others through who we are. And so we want the right kind of change in our lives to be laborers together with Christ in the purposes that he has in reaching out to men and women everywhere because there is an expiry date on every life. How many know that we will not get out of life alive unless we are caught up together with him in the clouds in the air? So you have an expiry date and so do I and is the one thing in life that we don't know when. So that's the onus on us to always be ready and always be prepared. So sanctification is that process of being separated from and separated to. And we want to talk today about separation into the sanctity of what God has for your life. Jesus taught us in Matthew 15, if the blind lean the blind, both will fall into a pit. That there's a broad way in life and there's a narrow way. Be careful who you're following. Be careful the things, the messages that are in your mind that direct your life. And you're going to see how this works in just a few moments. Let me encourage you to read two portions of Scripture when you go home today. Or if you're online and you have your Bible now, you might want to read it. From Luke 5, verses 4 to 10, and John 21, 1 to 7, it's the story of Jesus teaching uh, fishermen who were professional fishermen, and they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. And then at the word of Jesus, he says to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat. How many know that you would have shaken your head and said, yeah, sure, as though the fish are going to just scoot from one side of the boat to the other? Jesus is the difference maker in the story. And when they take their net in obedience to Christ and throw their net on the right side of the boat, the next thing you know, it is filled to overflowing that they have to call to their friends, come and help us. I want you to know that when you give your tithe to the house of the Lord, that 10%, that's like taking your net and saying, because you say it, Jesus, you're the difference maker, I will cast my net onto the other side of the boat, and I will live on 90% better than I could on 100%. Why? Because you're the difference maker. 
And if you start at 10%, you're going to learn something when you walk with God. He wants more than 10%. He wants 100% of your life. That's the offense of the cross. That's the challenge that is here, to work together with him in his purpose of redeeming people. Why? Because he's got eternity in focus. And sometimes all we have in focus is time. So we want to move from being found to follow. We want to learn what it means to take obedient steps and how do we do that. And sanctification is that understanding that you and I are living our Christian life to walk with someone, not something. When someone asks me, and we get it all the time, uh, what sign do you live under? And you know exactly what they're trying to say. I always say sign of the cross. What about you? And then they kind of look at you because they're using the zodiac. And they're saying, that's the sign that I am. Well, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a this. I'm... Well, I'm under the sign of the cross. What do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. And then you get a chance to share with them. We're following someone. We're not following something. We're not following a denomination. We're not following a religion. We're not following anything. We've got our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Someone who is alive forevermore. And sanctification is the process after being found to following Jesus with our whole life. Not a part of our life, but with our whole life. We're called to be followers of Jesus, by Jesus, of Jesus, for Jesus. It's about where we're heading, the direction of your life. Sanctification is an in-house rebuild. He's going to renovate from the inside out. It's continuous throughout your whole life until you breathe your last. It requires your cooperation. That's why the Bible says we're co-laborers together with him. It's not perfect in this life. Some get greater results than others because of the degree of dedication. And it represents our understanding of what it means to have gratitude in our lives for justification that's been applied already and that our debts have been canceled out and paid for. You live a life now of gratitude. You live a life of thanksgiving. Everything you do now is to say, Lord, you didn't have to do it, but you did it because you love me. And I want to reciprocate your love, and I want to love you back. And so sanctification is simply being set apart for a sacred purpose, a holy purpose, being a child of God now and walking with him every single day, becoming a holy vessel fit for the master's use. Philippians says it, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is already at work within you. When you've been found to start following, God's at work in you, and he's starting to sanctify you, and you and I need to learn how to cooperate with that. It happens in our spirit, then it moves into our soul, and it's seen in our body. When we learn to be led by the Spirit of God, we walk in the Spirit through the situations of day-to-day life. Our flesh will fight it because walking in the Spirit is foreign to us and everything around us becomes foreign. 
It's opposite to the things of the kingdom of God. So let me show you how this unfolds. 1 John 3, 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Underline the word practice. When you're born again, you're still going to stumble. We're still going to fall. But we're not going to make a practice of that. We're going to learn from the things that we go through. For God's seed, the seed of the word of God, abides in us now. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. That's the expression that we have been made in the image and likeness of God. Imago Dei is the Latin expression, made in the image of God. And there are four classic questions that human beings have. But not all people think about these things. But you need to in terms of the journey your life is going on. Uh, I'll be 75 next month, and I keep thinking to myself, uh, there's a lot of water under the bridge I don't know how much more water is yet to come, but I want you to know that of the four things, the last one is the important one for me right now. Origins, I get. Meaning, I understand. Morality, yes. But destiny, Lord, when will I go to be with you? That's the question we don't know. But those four questions stir the human heart to think there's something more than what we see around us every day. God wants to take our natural eyes and our natural ears and give us spiritual eyes and spiritual ears so that we can see him at work in the midst of the world and the reason why the world exists. In apologetics, they're calling it now the the refining attributes. They're looking at how precise our world is and that if it was one degree different or one slight Uh, motivation away from this or that or the other that it wouldn't sustain life and they're realizing that this planet has a purpose and how many know with the word of God you understand the purpose so origins meeting morality and destiny and it's important to be asking those questions about Lord are we just people walking through life and doing what we do and then dying and it's all over and it doesn't mean anything unless there's a statue or something about us that we lived? No, there's something much greater than that because you've been made in the likeness and the image of he who is eternal and he has an eternal plan. Thessalonians 5 says it this way, now may the God of peace himself sanctify or set you apart completely. May your whole spirit soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read that, you say to yourself, well, I don't understand the spirit and soul part. I know the body. I can see the body. And it's like the time that a pastor had a member of the congregation who was a brain surgeon, and they were going for coffee together because the brain surgeon was frustrated with the pastor always talking about spiritual things. And he said, Pastor, you've got to be able to bring this back down to reality. And so the pastor did a quick prayer and said, Father, help me help this beautiful, wonderful doctor who is helping so many people but is struggling with the idea of the spiritual world. And so as they're discussing things, the pastor finally said to the doctor, how many operations have you done on the brain? And he said, well, they're in the thousands now. And the pastor leaned over and said, Doc, How many thoughts have you found? You open somebody's brain up, 
You're not going to see very many thoughts in there. You're not going to see dreams. You're not going to see visions. You're not going to see truths. You're not going to see that. But as soon as that person is awake again, you're going to hear them. You're going to know that something's going on in there. Well, as much as there's a physical body, there's a spiritual body. And Thessalonians teaches us you are spirit, soul, and body. You're a spiritual being that's eternal. You have a personality. I was looking while they were worshiping this morning, and I was looking at the different ones that were up here, and I saw Rhonda in the middle. Her personality is just like her mother. Every time Faye worships, she worships with all her heart. And when Rhonda was worshiping, have you noticed she worships with all her heart? Her personality comes through loud and clear. And then you look at others sometimes a little more quiet, a little more reserved, a little more different. Everybody's personality is a little bit different based on what's on the inside. And so when you understand that, your body is what's reflecting. So you're a spiritual being that has a personality and is expressing itself through your body. And Jesus helps us understand that through his word. So knowing how you're made enables you to live your life according to the purposes of God and knowing that each life is valuable, each life is precious, and each life is very, very unique. Your spirit, if you know anything about the Bible, children of Israel were 400 years in Egypt learning the customs of Egypt and the understanding of religious things in Egypt so far from what God wanted for them. But when he delivered them out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, he said to them, I'm going to teach you who I am and how I relate to you, and how you can relate to me. And he had Moses build the tabernacle, and he said, build it according to the pattern. And so the pattern was there was an outer court that didn't look very inviting or, or appealing. It's like your body. It's just an outer shell that contains something within, and there was one entrance into the tabernacle. And then you moved into a place where sacrifices and that were made, and it was called the holy place. But there was also another factor called the Holy of Holies, where the high priest went in once a year, offered sacrifices on behalf of all the people. It's a type of what Jesus would eventually do. And when the temple was built in Jerusalem, it also had an outer court, an inner court, and a Holy of Holies. Your body is built in the same way. You have a spirit likened unto the Holy of Holies where God communes with you where he impresses his word upon you, where he speaks to your heart. And then you have a soul, which is your will and your emotions and your personality. And that is the place where Jesus said, out of your heart, out of the issues of your heart, will start to flow the reasons for why you live your life the way you do. What makes you unique and when the fruit of the Spirit is at work inside of you, you get changed from living a selfie life to living a self-serving life where you start to serve the purposes of God with your whole being. Why? Because the inner man has been changed. Your personality is changing. Your emotions are changing. You're not reacting to things. You're responding now based on the truth of God's Word. And your body then becomes the vehicle that your spirit and your soul, being renewed on the inside, are using to express the goodness of God in the lives of others around you. 
What Pastor Jason's teaching us is that in this area of being found to following, there are going to be people, there are going to be events, and there are going to be circumstances in the past that have formed our lives. But we're going to need, as we come to faith in Christ, we're going to need new people, new events, and new circumstances to reshape and reform our lives to be able to move in the direction that God has for us. There are people in your life now, as there were people in my life, that were part of my journey but are no longer part of my journey. Because when I made a decision to follow Jesus, I left a lot of people behind. And the reason for that was I understand now why I was made. I understand how I'm made. I understand now how I'm going to cooperate with God. And as I begin to follow him through my life, there are people who don't necessarily want to be on the same track I'm on. And so that's where the challenge comes to you and to me is, Lord, being born again means that I started this new journey with you. John 3 says it this way. I say to you, unless you were born again, Unless something happens on the inside of you to change you by water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. What is Jesus saying to What is he trying to help John understand? That you have a natural life and you have a spiritual life. The natural life cannot step into the presence of God, but only your spiritual life can. Meaning that you're going to die one day and your spirit and your soul is going to be released from your physical body. Dust is going to go back to dust and you're going to go somewhere. Destiny. Got to understand destiny. You got to understand that facts don't care about your feelings. Truth is what it is. And when we say we follow someone, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What does that do? That separates truth from error. That separates fact from feelings. That helps us put our eyes on Jesus and understand why we are following him. It's not just that our sins are forgiven, but it's now this whole new life that he wants to give us that we can be a co-laborer and a cooperator with him in helping other people come to know Jesus Christ in their life as well. And there are going to be some that will not be too impressed with that. C.S. Lewis made this wonderful statement years ago. He was an atheist professor at Oxford and eventually came to faith in Christ and became an amazing uh, philosopher and helped us understand some of the great truths of the Bible. And he said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Bible also says, as a man thinks, so is he. What's going on inside your mind? And that's what's starting to direct your emotions and direct what you want to do. And Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. If that's what the word of God says, why is he saying that? Because we're sanctified. We are separated now to things eternal, to things sacred. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you've ever gone outside and you look at the big boxes that are up on the pole that are transformers. They carry the current along the wire and they transform it so it can be sent into your house without blowing your house up. 
It transforms. It breaks down the current so that it can be usable in your home. When you read God's Word, it's a transformer, and it starts shaping your mind and shaping your thinking so that it can be usable in your life and in my life. So that we can then say, Lord, bit by bit, you are shaping me and changing me and conforming me to the image of your son. That by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Remember I talked about your spirit? That's where the discerning takes place. Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And when he speaks to your heart, it agrees with the word of God that's in your mind. And when that agrees with the word of God in your mind, your body follows along. Why? Because your body's not leading you now. Your spirit's leading you. And your spirit is being led by the spirit of God. And so now there's a whole shift in how you're living your life. And he works in us and through our physical body to the degree that we're willing to yield to him. And so we understand that our bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit and they're no longer nightclubs. Amen? Amen? Romans 8 said, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So for you and I that have come to faith in Christ, heaven is not only our home now, but it's our future destiny. It's where we are going to go when we leave this earth. We're going to be with the Lord. Philippians says it. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Your body is dust. To dust it shall return. It goes into the grave, but that's not the end of the biblical story. The end of the biblical story is the sacredness of your body, the sacredness of your spirit, the sacredness of your soul, and that God is going to raise you from the dead as well so that there's a coming together of everything that makes you you that has been redeemed by God is precious in his sight, and you and I are then going to have a glorious body. And that glorious body is by his power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You belong to him because he purchased you at the cross. That's the value you have in God's sight. That's the importance you have to him. And so then you and I choose in being found to start following for the reason, Lord, I want to be a co-laborer with you in the rebuilding of your church, in the building of your house, being active day by day and serving your purposes. We've been found by Jesus, and he invites us to follow him all the way into eternity where he has prepared a place for each and every one of us.